Crypto curious, keep an open mind, enjoy the conversation, and stay cryptocurrent. Now, here's your host, Richard Carthon. Hey, Cryptocurrent crew. If you're anything like me, you're probably sick of being stuck at home and not being able to go to various cryptocurrency and blockchain events and conferences like you used to be able to. Well, look no further. If you go to our website and go under the events tab, we have a ton of virtual conferences and events that you can go and attend. We have several media partners that are coming on to create great content, great networking, and a lot of insightful information for you. So please go to our website and give it a look whenever you have a moment. And now for today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cryptocurrent, your host here, Richard Parthon. And today I got a really special guest that has been doing amazing things in the financial realms for a long time, working on all kinds of amazing projects. Here to talk to us more about Able Markets, we have Irene Aldrich. How are you doing today? Hi, Richard. I am thrilled to be here. I think it's so cool to be on a crypto podcast because this is a super new area for, for me anyway, but I think for a lot of other people too. Obviously, you've been in this for a while and so have a lot of other crypto guys. It's amazing to see how crypto is coming of age. And in fact, JP Morgan announced today that they completed a trade, I think in repo securities and crypto in their own coin system, which is like a major breakthrough for a traditional white shoe bank to adopt crypto to the point where, where they're actually trading it. I know that there are also a lot of people still on the fence that are coming from traditional asset management because they're really afraid of a lot of fluctuations and they just don't necessarily understand what's going on. And, and frankly, like in, in at least in the past, there's been a lot of issues with like crypto being used for money laundering, whatever. So, so I think there's a lot of negativity still that this crypto has to overcome. But, but the prospects are really great. I mean, with big banks really going into it, I think there's just no turning back. I think it's going to be an asset class that is at least as important as everything out there. And, and I think for that reason, if you have not been doing crypto yet, <laughs> of course you have, but you know, you really should. Coming from, from my background, as, as you mentioned, I, I've been around block for a long time. And part of it is just natural curiosity. I was always interested in, in following what's new and exciting in the world. And part of it is also the industry has been changing a lot. My background is uh, very, very technical. I'm, I'm an electrical engineer by training. And in the beginning, probably when I started, a lot of the finance was more qualitative. So there's, there, there was obviously, uh, to me, always potential to do more math in, in everything. But a lot of people saw math not, not necessarily important in that space because a lot of transactions were done more as a service. So people would arrange some custom security or custom this or custom payout, and then they would charge a, a hefty haircut for that. And they would make a lot of money on just doing something custom, custom that did not require necessarily anything mathematical. But as the markets have been standardizing continuously with the help of technology over the last 20 years, we have, we have, more and more regularization in everything we do. Custom, custom has been kind of going away, or at least not in everything, but there's a lot more standardized 
stuff that people are trading. Yeah. So even real, real quick on that, I just want to dive into a little bit more on your background and thank you for opening up with that. I kind of want to pack a couple of things. So, so first, let's go back to your background. You said you're an electrical engineer and you kind of shifted into the financial world. Can you kind of talk to us about that journey? Like, how did you start to go in the path of the financial realm? Well, in New York, you just can't avoid it. <laughs> you know? So I, I was going to college in New York and I was a poor student. And you know, you walk down the street and, and you see all this amazing capacity that people have and, and they all work in finance and, and it's just so exciting. You just breathe it in and, and it kind of becomes part of who you are. At the same time, I mean, my, my technology background has always been very, very strong. And it's it's just that it, in New York, you just fall into it. You know, it's, it's like you kind of... All the jobs that are offered to you, probably 75% of them have some financial focus. You really can't get a true electrical engineering job in New York City, even if you tried, right? So, but now, now it's also different because there are social media companies that are there and, and so they're recruiting heavily. Previously, there's just all been finance. It's really kind of the dominant industry. I think today it's still a very dominant industry. And of course, it, it's very rewarding, right? And in terms of financially, if you, if you are doing well in finance, you're probably doing very, very well for yourself. So from that perspective, so after electrical engineering, I immediately went into, to study financial engineering. I went to Columbia. At that time, the programs were just beginning and it was kind of very interesting, very different from the field. I went to do a PhD in the same in financial engineering. And PhD was not really well defined in that space yet. It was still more operations research transportation problems and supply chain management, which was not... I, I really couldn't see it, how it would apply to finance. So I went to do an MBA. I took a year off. It was all I allowed, was allowed to take. And I went to INSEAD in France, which is one year program. And there I really got exposed to like traditional kind of MBA finance. So I switched and I, I went to do a PhD in finance instead. Throughout this time, probably with the exception of my MBA, I worked full time. And, and I enjoy working. I, I'm a complete workaholic. I can work 24-7 without it. <laughs> so, so, and, and that's what I do basically all the time. Um, but finance PhD, it, it was very interesting because a lot of the problems that finance PhD solves are really on kind of a micro level. So for example, a question, okay, so if somebody releases earnings, like CEOs release earnings, do they manipulate earnings or not? So it's a small aspect of everything that's going on. Um, and um, I'm always kind of more interested in the big picture, although this is very interesting. And there are also like different risk management problems that uh, you know I leveraged into uh, a lot of risk management work that I've done uh, over my career. And I ran a loan quantification desk for bank and ultimately I moved to trading floor. So I went through research and basically every possible department. And it's interesting that my key takeaway though from the whole finance PhD, and I was really interested, like how do you make money in finance? <laughs> this is right. this is my main interest in doing this PhD. You get bugged down in these, well, just manipulate earnings or do not manipulate earnings. So like, right. just tell me, how do you make money? My my key takeaway take is basically to have money, that's that's what I wanted to figure out is you have to make more money and spend less money. <laughs> but in the process, you can do a lot of math and obviously price things more precisely and stuff like that, which is very useful if you're doing any kind of arbitrage, which you're basically doing all the time in financial services. I think another interesting thing about finance is 
and standardization that's that's happening and is going to continue happening because it allows us to price stuff more precisely. In other industries, like if you look at groceries, like uh, the example I like is you walk into a grocery store and you have like 20 different brands of tomato soup, right? And they're all priced differently. So some are priced $10 a can and some are like 60 cents a can. And and they all, the, the guys who are pricing it at $10 a can, they're making an argument that their soup is better, right? So they're appealing to the fact that, look, I, I'm actually pricing this a lot because my soup is just so much more important. In finance, all the soup is basically very transparent and very much the same by now because of regulations, because regulations mandated. I think even more so in crypto, because in crypto you have this ginormous paper trail and uh, you can go back and basically verify all, all the different transactions. Real quick on that, as you're kind of like going down that that train of thought, one of the ways that I, you know, I know that you probably got into creating able markets and as you're starting to look at all the various ways and kind of the discrepancies that you can find, as you were saying, with one of the things that I think is always really important is to try to find alpha, especially as a trader, and also try to find some ways, just like you said, with arbitrage, there's been a lot of opportunities for arbitrage through the various trading platforms and the crypto markets and other things like that. But how did you get to a point where you decided, okay, I want to go and create this platform, able markets that can help a lot of traders find some of these opportunities and start to capitalize on them, like you said, to make money? Oh, we, we were totally demand driven. So we didn't like consciously set out to create the platform before a client of ours, like we had a trading company and the client of ours, it was a crisis 2009. So they came to us and I said, listen, we, we don't want to give you money to invest because we, we think it's too risky, but we're just going to buy your data and we're going to invest it ourselves uh, with your signals. So it's fine, you know, you will pay us, that's great. Basically, well, from there. So, you know, once you find one client doing something, then then you find the next client who's who's kind of with the same interests, and and you grow kind of organically that way. There's not really it's that's that's basically it. But I think the problem is universal, you know. So you have you want to make money in financial markets, as as you said, you want to identify alpha, which is your source of uncorrelated returns, right? So it's basically the extra a return that you would get on top of like traditional stock payment for unit risk, right? So that's that's beta, right? So when you take extra risk and, and then you're rewarded with a certain return, that's, that's your beta. Alpha is something that's uncorrelated with anything that you know. So it's kind of an extra bonus and that's what's really hard to find. And I think in crypto, it's there's plenty of that left still because it's the technology is so new and and frankly there's a lot of stuff still to explore. I think it's there are a lot of inefficiencies that people have not even thought about yet that are completely legit. It's just whether they're in microstructure, which means that the study of the like every tiny movement in the market, which I've done quite a bit, which is very interesting, I think. Or it's really the way, as you said, different platforms are working and, and whether there's discrepancies between those that, that actually generate some mispricings. It's also possible. But I think the answer to how you would best way to identify all this will lie or does lie in technology. Part of it is we live in this new world where there's so much data. Like you have the crypto... Uh, how many platforms are there now that, that actually... Offer offer crypto or trade crypto. Uh, a lot. There's there's plenty of platforms you can go and and get from all over the world. Right. So so you know so each of these platforms is a little bit different. 
there's just so much information that they're providing to everybody. And it's, it, it used to be that a financial analyst really only had to deal with a, like a very small time series because I'm, I'm going way back when to the like maybe 50 years ago, you had all your quotes were in the newspaper, right? So you would subscribe to the Wall Street Journal because they'd have these massive tables and where all the securities were listed and you would have open, high, low, close and volume for each stock and it's on a daily basis. And it's all people have. People didn't even record intraday data because they thought it was a complete waste of storage space. And frankly, it was too expensive to store all that data. So right now we have much less expensive storage where we can store all this data. We have much less expensive technology with which we can process all this data. So there's really a lot of opportunities and managing the data effectively and producing a lot of money that people previously left on the table because they just didn't know what to do about it. So on that, you bring up a lot of really good points on the fact that from a, an institutional standpoint or even from your traditional finance world, you're starting to see a lot of traditional money starting to pour and institutional money pour into the crypto markets. Just like you said, we had PayPal that recently announced they're largely coming in. You have a ton of portfolios. I believe we had an insurance company that allocated recently like $100 million towards Bitcoin and are planning on adding more in the future. And more and more and more of this money starting to pour into it. As of today, of this recording, Bitcoin has broken its all-time high of over 20,000. Who knows where it's going to be by the time this comes out and you're listening to this. But it seems that crypto is becoming more and more legitimized. Where do you see crypto headed as institutional players are starting to look at this? Some of these different strategies that you just talked about, like what are all of the different ways that crypto can continue to evolve from a financial standpoint? Well, this is just just my perspective, so I'm, I'm not sure. But yeah, no financial advice. No worry about that. Yeah, you're all good on that. This is not financial advice. Sure. Yes, I think it's definitely becoming a legitimate asset class in terms of like on par with equities and everything else. In fact, there may be some synergies between equities and crypto. It's possible. I mean, I know there are some problems with trading equities on blockchain, for example, because how do you short a stock? Like, how do you sell a stock and then? How do you charge interest for it? But maybe people are able to resolve it. So, or maybe they have resolved it already. So, but I think crypto has a great potential. And blockchain is definitely a very legitimate technology. It's, it has been, it's very solid. But crypto is an asset class. I think it's it's really becoming more of a of a thing. So maybe in 10 years, probably not five years, but in 10 years, we'll probably pay with crypto at, at the grocery store, at the local grocery store. You know, and maybe it will be the world currency and it's basically what we'll use, right? Just like any other currency that we use today. But I think the key to success in, in really investing crypto lies with big data. And if I may plug my, my new book, sure. <laughs> co-author is called Big Data Science in Finance. It's co-authored with Professor Marco Villaneda of NYU Grant. And in it, we have crypto applications specifically, which, which are built on daily crypto data. But you can see just how much you can do with applying big data techniques to even crypto market and how much you can improve the performance in your portfolio by managing data more effectively. And I think there's more and more, or more and more portfolio managers adopt these big data techniques they'll be able to, one, more successfully manage the risks of crypto. And right now you have sometimes these wild oscillations that scare a lot of people away. But it doesn't have to be like that, right? So you can actually manage it more effectively and achieve pretty smooth return. 
also without sacrificing the upside and even improve the upside in many cases. I think it's really becoming, possibly will become the standard. And uh, I, mean, I can I can totally see that happening. So yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, I was just going to say on that, like what's what I think is more and more interesting is in the last three years or so, you saw a lot of these hedge fund managers and prolific people in the space, uh, specifically speaking, Warren Buffett, who basically said there's no value in crypto and all this other kind of stuff. And we're starting to see a shift kind of in the in the other direction. Do you think that it's a more viable option or will continue to be? Do you th- still think it's highly speculative? Like, where do you think the world is going as far as being able to treat this as a viable option versus continue to be highly speculative? We want to give a quick shout out to our platinum sponsor, Emirates, where you can become part of the world's fastest growing IoT wireless network. You can earn up to $25 or more a month by getting a free cool spot today. What is a cool spot, you may ask? Well, it's just like a Wi-Fi hotspot that you use to connect your devices, except you earn Helium HNT every time it is used. How can you earn from this? HNT is your reward for hosting and being an active, valuable participant in the Helium network. How secure is your cool spot? It has end-to-end encryption and it is used to secure your device and to ensure your privacy on multiple layers. Go to our show notes or go to our website to click the link to get your cool spot delivered to you for free today. I think it is definitely a viable option. I I, I think JP Morgan is is well, JP Morgan is also a leader in innovation and they like to try all the new technologies, but they're also very risk averse. I mean, and besides the CEO of JP Morgan is big friends with Warren Buffett. <laughs> so, yeah. so I can see Warren Buffett changing his mind pretty soon. And look, people change their minds. They're not, yeah. it, it, it's it's always happens. So I think we're we're at a kind of inflection point in crypto where it's really to the point where people reassess their previous opinions. And I mean, their opinions largely were based on 2018 where market just tanked, crypto market tanked. Part of the reason why I think crypto market tanked was, I mean, a lot of people, crypto is kind of a wild west, right? It's sort of a currency that's not really regulated right now. Although none of the currencies are really regulated, right? So if you look at any other world's currencies, they're very likely regulated, if anything. So, but crypto is even like it's faster and it's and it's just very, very new. And you you can say that, that like, or you, if you look at countries like Venezuela, apparently a lot of people in Venezuela use crypto because they can't really get access to the US dollars or, or they can't move money out of the country otherwise. Right. So right. so there's a lot of that going on. But at the same time, I think. So anyway, so in 2018, there was this crash, which definitely scared a lot of people away. But now it's coming back and it's coming back full force. And and of course, my point is, I think over the last two years, people have had a lot of time to think about how they would mitigate the risk if the crash were again to occur. And what you had in 2017, for example, you had these like massive conferences of people who just, just had a little bit of money saved and they would go to these crypto conferences and they would just pour all their money into crypto, right? <laughs> and without any background on what was going on. So it's not that different from the 1920s in the equities market, like uh, 100 years ago, 
when there were a lot of widows and orphans who saved a little bit of money and then they just saw the stock market that was very new at the time just go up and up and up. Then the market crashed and they lost everything, right? And then we had Security and Exchange Commission created to protect widows and orphans and et cetera. So, so I think a lot of people got burned in, in this crypto business too. I personally know people who they also got burned, but in a different way. They invested into crypto and then they had this Bitcoin and Bitcoin and Bitcoin and all of a sudden they had no Bitcoins and they could never figure out what happened to that Bitcoin, right? So it just left. Right. The, all of these stories, they kind of give people a pause and they just just think, well, you know, maybe it's not the right time yet. But if the company, like the brand like JP Morgan goes behind it and said, look, this is our product, this is our whatever, JP coin, whatever they call it, maybe it's worth actual our money because, you know, if, if anything, we can sue JP Morgan and get our money back. I think it's exciting. I think it's truly an exciting time. And I think this time it's it's definitely... We're making real progress towards a more institutionalized Bitcoin than ever before. I agree. I think there's a lot of reasons why the difference of what happened in the last crash versus now, why there's a lot more stabilization. There's a lot more proof in the pudding, right? So like from the ebbs and flows, it's been, it's proven the test of time. You're seeing a lot of other cryptos outside of just Bitcoin as well, who are building projects and are showing their use cases for real world uses, use cases. And you're also starting to see projects that are trying to materially improve upon the world that's borderless. Like the, the fact that everything is so borderless in crypto makes it a lot more appealing and makes it to where, just like you said, you can move faster. You can get things done. Where in the world can you go where your dollar's a dollar? But a Bitcoin is a Bitcoin wherever you go. And Ethereum is Ethereum wherever you go. And that's powerful. And that's why you're also starting to see a lot of governments you know, uh, create CBDCs, which is basically uh, centralized banking, digital currencies. Yeah. And so I think that trend potentially will continue. But I do want to say, I really do appreciate you spending some time with us today and sharing some of the knowledge that you have. But what is the final thought that you want to leave with all of our listeners here today? Well, my final thought is, is always about how you can apply the latest, the latest technology to any given problem. And right now I'm obsessed with big data. I'm absolutely obsessed with it. And I think we're just scratching the surface of how much you can do with data and, and, and like with crypto. I think it's just, there's just so much enormous potential in that world. And I think very little of it has been done yet. And part of it is because like traditional institutions, academic institutions, they have not yet embraced, they have not yet realized, for example, that crypto is here and now, and you really have to devote like PhD kind of studies towards crypto. So there's not enough research, way a little research, but I think there's the potential is insane. And I'm very interested in studying it. And that's why we wrote the book. But I hope it really continues and we, we, we should see the fruits very, very soon. No doubt. I really do appreciate that. What are some ways that people can connect with you and learn more about Able Markets and also learn about your book that you just released? Sure. Well, I'm on Twitter. It's Irene Aldrich, one word. I'm also on LinkedIn. And our book is going to have its own website it is bigdatascienceinfinance.com. And it's also on Amazon. It's supposed to be shipping later this month. I'm very excited about it. Awesome. Well, again, Irene, really appreciate you spending some time with us today. And for everyone listening, stay CryptoCurrent. Hey, CryptoCurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. Today's review comes from A. Bryant 41. 
You can tell that Richard has a passion for connecting the unknown to the listener. He makes crypto a lot easier to comprehend. It's one thing to know what crypto is, but to understand is what the podcast has helped me to do. Love it. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey, Cryptocurrent crew, you asked and we delivered. We have received multiple requests for access to cool crypto and blockchain projects that you could use immediately. Well, we have recently launched our partnerships page. If you go to our website and go to the partnerships tab, you'll be able to see multiple companies that have partnered with us to not only give you access to the cool products that they have to offer, but then also give you cool discounts to get started today. So please go to our website, go to the partnerships tab and check out the various partners that we have today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date in the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to DeRitterProductions.com. That's D-E-R-I-T-T-E-R Productions.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cryptocurrent with Richard Carthon. We'll be back with more exciting developments from the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency next week. But until then, stay cryptocurrent. Please use available access now.